0: Hello and welcome to the art of selling online courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth and today's guest is Alison Lex. She's the former marketing director for Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, whose first sales has had generated nearly $9,000 in less than three days to a list of barely 200 people. And now she's a hired gun for all of your marketing stuff. We're going to be talking about creating info products. She's got an educational background as well as having worked for Dan Kennedy. Who, if you don't know, by the way, because some people listening to this are not seriously into marketing, he's a the old school name in direct marketing. Um, yeah, he's is out of a course Funnel Hacker <laughs> Live recently, and he said that they were there. And Dan Kennedy went on stage and said, "None of you internet marketing geeks would be here if it wasn't for me."
1: <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong because. I remember, if you can imagine how young Russell Brunson looked 15 years ago, Yeah, (laughs) I saw him on the Glazer Kennedy stage starting his journey. You know, Frank Kern was on the GKIC stage, Russell, a ton of them were on that stage. And Dan and Bill, you know, Bill, Bill Glazer is an amazing copywriter in his own right as well, unlocked a love of marketing I never knew I had.
0: So today we're going to be talking about uh, creating info products, why you might not be making more courses, how to put them together more easily, and how to make them in a way that helps with selling them too. Now, before we get into the meat of the podcast today, we're going to talk about a few different techniques that you can use to grow your online course revenue. There's like eight techniques that we use internally that we find are the ones that make the biggest difference. And you're almost definitely not doing some of them at the moment. So if you're curious to figure out which of them they are, what you're not doing, how much more money you could make, then go to courseprofitreport.com, fill in the survey. It's like eight, 10 questions, something like that. And my team will make a personalized report for you, helping you figure out what are the ones you're missing, how much more money you could be making, and uh, give you some tips about implementing them. So back to the show. Alison, thanks so much for coming on today. Really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And that audit sounds awesome
0: yeah (laughs) it's pretty badass yeah
1: it sounds awesome
0: (laughs) so talk to us talk to us about creating info products i know that you do a lot of stuff around marketing them and email marketing but today we're going to focus on creating the courses which I, i know you've got a lot of expertise in that as well there's a bunch of places where people can make more money, right? They can have a bigger audience. They could be better at email marketing. They can have better sales pages. They can have order bumps and upsells, all these different kinds of things, right? But one of the things that really helps is having enough courses to sell. If you've only got one, it's harder than if you've got a bunch of different courses. And so we always see a, bit, a big uptick when a client has a new course that goes out because their previous customers might buy it mm-hmm. and new customers. It always does pretty well. We've got a client at the moment. She's just had a new course come out for the first time, and she's got like just hit two hundred grand this month from her just from that new course. You know, which is fabulous to see, right? It's wonderful.
1: I mean, but it's hard,
0: you know.
2: You know. <laughs> it,
1: so it's so funny because you you said the the word. It's hard, mm. but it's simple. But just okay. because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy, right? Yeah. It does require work. It does require patience. It does require focus and investment in the right place. And I think that people think. All of that is too hard for the result that you're going to get. Okay. I think I'm that's a, a that. big issue, right? Okay. Then you have people who may not have a course already. Maybe they're a service provider and they are afraid. Well, who's going to take me seriously, right? There's a ton of imposter syndrome, a ton of comparisonitis. So-and-so already teaches that I can't, you know, who's going to listen to me. So-and-so is already doing this. And so there's some internal work that has to be done. There's also, again, people who may do one-on-one or service done-for-you type stuff, and they may try it and it doesn't go the way they want. And so they retreat back to their one-to-one because that's safe. That's safety. I think that's a big reason. And then there's the stuff like, I don't know what to teach. And it's not that you don't have the expertise. It's not that you don't know what you're doing or you're not good at what you're doing. It's that you're too good and you struggle to narrow it down. Or you struggle to figure out how to put your process together in a way that other people can understand, learn from, and see transformation because of. I mean, am I hitting any <laughs> hitting any uh, hot buttons for you? I think that it really, it can feel overwhelming mm-hmm. to figure out how to put it together, to figure out how to, and then how to market it. How do mm-hmm. I make this thing successful? My audience isn't big enough, or it's too big, or I don't know what they want, or all of these things or I've tried it before it didn't work and I'm not going to do it again. That's a big one too.
0: So how can people put together courses more easily Then, what some of the things I can do? Well, is that the right place to start or is the right place to start figuring out what it is you should make the course about?
1: So it's a little, yeah. I mean, figuring out what you're going to do is going to help you make it more easily. And so that was going to be my step one. (laughs) (laughs) So you read my mind there, but it's figure out, Where the intersection between what you know and what they want. Okay. There's a lot of stuff I know. And I can tell you with 110 bajillion percent certainty, it is nothing that my audience wants. Right. They don't care. And what they want is this particular column of my expertise, of my knowledge. Mm. You got to find that for you if you are i'm just going to go weight loss because that's what hit my head right now but if you if you teach people how to lose weight healthfully right mm-hmm. we're not talking crash fat diets we're not talking crazy stuff i'm going to help you deeply transform your life so that you lose the weight in a healthy way i can guarantee you your people don't want that right and this is going to go into the marketing side but especially with weight loss like if you were to offer me a weight loss plan or a weight loss pill chances are I'm gonna take the pill because I want it easy, right? And so what we have to do is find the pill for your audience. What's Mm -hmm. the easy result that they're looking for? Um, There are a couple of ways that you can find this. One, ask them, you know, your current clients, your current customers, your, your raving fan subscribers or followers. What do they want? You can look at the content that you've put out that has gotten the highest engagement and go on that. The questions that you get asked about the most So if you put content out and people want clarification on X, Y, Z, and you see that same pattern showing up all the time, well, there's a course. Answer that question. You can also look at what other people are doing. And I want to give a caveat on this, okay? Because, and we, we talked about Funnel Hacker. When you look at somebody else's business from the outside, you're missing a whole lot of data. Okay. So you don't know if that's as successful as you think it is Mm. just because it looks one way and your audience may be very, 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 very similar to theirs, but you're never going to have the exact audience because you're not the exact person, but you can see what themes and trends are showing up in your industry. And how can you bring a unique approach to that? How can you bring a new point of view or a more in-depth explanation or from a different angle. And so I put that kind of last in my little list because that's not the first place to start. The first place to start is what your people will want. And what I like to do is test out course ideas with lead magnets or other free things. And this has a double benefit of growing your email list. And I know You're all about that email list. You want to build that. So we have somebody to market to, you know, we own that data, but let's say you're thinking about doing a course and how to lose 10 pounds without putting down the pan of brownies. I don't know. Again, weight loss. Okay. Do a webinar on that. Pitch it to your people. Do a little 30 minute training on that and see what the registrations look like. If you get like a bajillion registrations and your landing page is converting at 99%, then heck yes, make that course.
2: Mm. If
1: it's crickets, let's try something different. And that allows you to validate an idea before you put the effort and the energy into creating it.
0: So when you're doing that, so you've got got a few different ways there, right? You said about ask people, you talked about doing lead magnets, maybe it's a free training or a webinar or something like Mm -hmm. that to get people to test it out. How, when you say, ask them about it, how are you doing? Are you doing like, you know, 30 minute in-depth interviews with people? Are you just throwing out questions every so often and having a chat with them. Are you doing surveys? Like how, how are you specifically think you're doing that so that people know what to do?
1: Yeah, I really like either like a DM or messenger conversation or a quick 10 minute call. Definitely not 30 minute calls unless I'm basically rewarding them somehow incentivizing mm-hmm. and it's really going to depend on your audience. So my audience tends to be really busy. It's hard to nail people down. They don't want to really necessarily invest that time and effort because they're they've got other priorities. And I I respect that. And it's hey, can I ask you a few questions via DM?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or that kind of thing. So you really, and Amy Porterfield actually talks about this. It's the the ICA calls, and she she recommends a call, but again, I find the DM and she talks about some of the questions. So if you just Google Amy Porterfield ICA, you'll find she probably has a podcast episode on it. But it's really I'm thinking about putting together a course on X. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit about what it would include, like three or four bullets. Does that sound interesting to you? would you buy that how much would you pay for that ask them that open ended question first right before you go into would you pay x would you pay y would you right we want to find out where their head is before we give them a number so i see a lot of people that are like oh would you pay $27 for this yes cool but if i had let them speak first they would have paid 127
2: mm.
1: so i want to get always use open end questions. Wow. That was tough before I use yes or no, or closed ended multiple choice style questions. I want their words.
2: Mm.
1: I want their thoughts. So, you know, what do you think of this topic? Is this something you would be interested in? Can you let me know a little bit more about that? Right. Get their words. Tell me, get them to tell you what they're thinking Not only is that great for validating an idea, then you can save those answers. And now you have some marketing copy, which we can talk about in a couple of minutes if you want. (laughs) Mm.
0: Nice. Okay. So you've gone through and you've chatted with a bunch of people. Is there another stage after that? Let's say you go, okay, there seems to be consistently a lot of interest in this particular topic. Mm -hmm. I've got an idea of the price point for it. I recorded all the calls and so I've got some stuff that I'll use later for my marketing uh, language Mm -hmm. document. What's next? Do you then go into creating it or are there more stages of like checking it? Like, do you do pre selling it or are you doing surveys as well? Or is it just, do you find this is enough? These kind of questions.
1: So, I find that surveys are hit and miss with this kind of thing. It, again, you can get a good number of responses. One, if your audience is big enough, and two, if you incentivize them the right way. Basically, you people are not always going to spend the time to give you feedback without something in it for them that's why when you're at the store they're like oh fill out the survey on the receipt and be entered to win the 500 shopping spree right like they incentivize you because they know that unless you have a negative experience you're they're not going to hear from you that's just the way it is that's why yelp is full of one-star reviews <laughs> because unless somebody has a negative experience they're less likely to reach out and give feedback the same holds true when you do surveys So be prepared to incentivize with whatever seems appropriate for you, whether it's a grab bag of goodies, a free consult. If you're going to incentivize with something that's outside of what you typically offer, like an Amazon gift card or an iPad or something that the general public will want, Mm -hmm. I would then keep the survey only to your house list, not to social, not to public, because you're going to dilute your data there. But if you offer something that is within what you offer, um, you, you're a beauty coach and you use beauty products, right? Or whatever, then it can be public. It It's just, it's not as good of the data isn't as good, even though it can give you a wider range than the mm-hmm. DMs and the calls. It's a little less work, but a lot of people find it really hard to get responses. And then let's say you've you've done some surveys, you validated an idea, you had a webinar, it was really, really good and you're ready to make your course, Mm -hmm. okay? So the content, it doesn't have to be like a hard, long process to put it together. I love pre-selling, like you mentioned, make money before you make the course. That is the ultimate validation. And so you can do a pre-launch, a beta, a lot of people are doing beta, especially for group coaching program type things now. But if you're looking at a lower level course that is designed to be, I call it self-study. So there's no involvement or interaction with you. Mm-hmm. Offer an early bird. Hey, mm-hmm. it's going to launch on October 1st. If you buy before then, you get it at half off or whatever price point you're comfortable with. That's a fantastic way to make sure that it's going to sell before you actually finish creating it. Mm-hmm. Then when it's time to do the creation... There are a couple of ways that you can make that easy too and the first is chances are you have a plethora of existing stuff. You've done webinars, you've done keynotes, you've had maybe you've had an event, you've created content for a membership, you've put for a patreon, whatever. How can you maybe repurpose some of that? How can you put it together in a way that will add to what you are doing? Or you can add to it or use it as a base, right? So if you have a 10 video series on your YouTube channel from 2016, that's still relevant today. Those could be part of the product as long as they're not outdated. Mm -hmm. And one of the objections to that is, but they could get it if they looked for, well, yeah, if they looked for it, they could get it. If I looked for anything, I could get it, but I'm still going to pay someone to do it for me. (laughs) Mm. Right. So get out of your head that they have to pay for brand new, never heard before information, because there isn't any of that anymore. Mm. There are no new ideas, just new ways of presenting it. And so you're saving them the time, effort and energy they would need to go and cobble together that solution from your YouTube videos, your blogs, other people, whatever, and figure it out for themselves. So they're paying for the process, not necessarily the way it's packaged. Mm -hmm. You can use stuff that has been publicly available in the past. Might you want to take those videos down? Sure. Maybe not, you know, especially if that's not going to be the only part of your course. I wouldn't just take your 10 video series from 2016 from YouTube and be like, here you go, pay pay me money for it but it can add to it mm-hmm. if you've one of the things i did at Glazer kennedy all the time was we had we recorded audio and video of every single event
2: mm-hmm.
1: every single event there were two to three to four a year and they got turned into products we would get them transcribed edit the transcriptions and and segments so they were legible you could read them We would take any slides or (laughs) Dan used um, overhead, Mm -hmm. the the transparencies with the overheads, he would use those. (laughs) We would put them in a book along with the transcript. They would get the CDs and the DVDs that we would go through and we would cut anything that was weird or that needed to be cut. And there's a product Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and we charged $1,000 for it, Mm -hmm. which by the way, was still cheaper than going to the event. And they sold like hotcakes. Mm. that's just one way right. to create a product from an event i mean it was just no-brainer a no-brainer yeah. if you have have events if you've held webinars put them together how can you package together webinars that are not available to the public right oh maybe over the years yeah, it you might held... have
0: been free when you first did it but it's not even available now
1: it's not even available so, so package them that. together yeah. yeah right and maybe you throw a workbook together which you write out some questions, send it to a graphic designer, make them, have them make it look pretty. You have a workbook. Mm. And it doesn't have to be this big, huge production of content creation. Now, if you don't have any of that, okay, write out your outline, open up a Zoom meeting and start talking. You know, I think Zoom will even screen share an iPad. Now you can get an iPad with an Apple pencil and just write instead of even using PowerPoint or Canvas slides. It doesn't have to be the highest quality of production. Now, that being said, if you're charging a whole lot of money, the production quality should increase. But if it's an entry-level product, let's get it done and get it out. Get it to the people who pre-bought. You can always go back and fix it. Mm. That's the nice thing about the internet. I always say it's like it's the internet, not a stone tablet. It's editable. You can go in and edit it. You're hosting it in a membership area. Swap out the video, right? It, the point is to just get moving, all right? And so in an effort to get moving, I'm going to give you my formula for what each module mm-hmm. or each thing is going to be, all right? The first thing you want to do is the teach, okay? So this is for group coaching programs, for individual products, whatever. Teach them something. Then you're going to assign them something, You're going to teach them what to do. You're going to tell them to do it. And then you're going to provide tap, teach, assign, provide the provide is what resource or help do they need to get the assignment done that will solidify what you've taught. Okay. Then, so if it's a single product, you might only tap once or twice, right? You teach two things, assign two things, provide two things. If it's a longer group coaching program, 12 weeks, it might be 12 taps. All right. But. Whatever they need to learn, whatever they need to do, and whatever they need to have. That's what you put in this course. You know your stuff. You're an expert at what you do. Tell them how to do what you do.
0: Okay, so we've gone through. We've figured out (laughs) what the overall topic should be for the course. Checked it with people. Done DMs or quick calls. We might have done surveys. Pre-sold it to absolutely be sure. Gone through and figured out what resources we already got, what things already exist. You know that ten video series or a webinar that was never published, or you know different internal resources that we use that maybe they could we could turn into handouts, whatever. Collected all of that together. Cool. Yep. Then we're going through and for each module, each section of the course, we're going through and and figuring out the tap So like, okay, what are we teaching? What's the action? What's the what was the last one? What was the P four?
1: provide Provide. so you're going to teach them something assign them something and provide them a resource
0: so we've got all of that together talk to me about bonuses because this is fun right this kind of crosses over between the creating the course and doing the marketing of the course can you explain to people first of all why bonuses matter for marketing the course why not just shove everything in the course like why why class something as a bonus and secondly like how do people figure out what what should be those bonuses
1: Okay. So I have had clients more than a handful that have said, I want a sales page for this course. And I say, okay, do you have any bonuses? And they say, no. And I say, okay. And so I go in and I look at their assets and I look at, you know, everything and I'm like, okay. And I pull this out and I pull that out and I pull this out. And now I have a a suite of bonuses that were in the course. So Mm -hmm. what you said, why not just include it in the course? A lot of people do that. They come to me and I undo it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the reason is, is the perceived value. Okay. So if, if I was to say to you, Hey, if you give me 60 bucks, I'm going to give you this piece of paper. You would be like, no, that doesn't sound good for me. But if I say, Hey, if you give me 60 bucks, I'm going to give you this piece of paper and this piece of paper, right? Like if I'm going to give you these five things, piece of paper is probably a terrible example, but I'm a writer, you know, I need time to think of things. (laughs) It, it makes it feel beefier. All right. The, the smaller, the thing, the smaller your course, it could have life-changing information in it but it doesn't feel like it
2: Mm. It
1: doesn't feel like it's enough, especially because in the head of your customer, this problem is insurmountable. I can't move forward until I solve a B or C that's what your product's about, but you're telling me you can do it in three videos. Mm. No, you can't. Because I've been struggling with it for however long, and it's been causing me all this worry and all this stress. You can't solve it that fast. It's not that easy because I'm smarter than that. That's what's going on in the head of your person. So by saying, okay, so I'm going to help you get started with this, but then I'm going to give you this and this and this and this, and that's going to all help you solve your problem. It's like, yeah, you know what? It is going to take all of that because this problem's really big and this will help me get where I need to go. This is going to close all the gaps that I have felt when I try to solve this problem. Mm. And so it, that's the, the idea behind perceived value. I'm just trying to give you some of the, what your people are thinking. Mm. And so when you choose your bonuses, it's really, really tempting to just say, well, I have this 10 video series and it solves the problem really well. And then I'm going to throw in 30 random things that I happen to have laying around. And my friend, Jenny Wright, she's a lead generation specialist, but she calls it the virtual yard sale of products, right? You just put everything out and it just doesn't look, doesn't look great. Instead, I call this the bonus sandwich. I have names for everything. And so your meat of the sandwich or whatever, if you're a vegetarian is your course, right? The middle of your sandwich, the goods is your course. And the bread is your bonus. So what you want to think is what do they need to get started? What do they need before they start in order to be successful with what I'm teaching in this course? Mm -hmm. That's the top piece. Then you have your course. Then the bottom piece of bread is what do they need to fill all the gaps and to continue success once they've completed. And this is usually your resources, templates, checklists, those kinds of things to help them implement what they've learned. So let's go home organization. All right, what do they need before they get my mega course on home, how to organize their home to stop stressing themselves out? Well, they need to know maybe how to declutter. That's what they need before they get started because we come into module one assuming they've already decluttered. So I'm gonna give them my declutter course as a bonus. Cool. What do they need after? Well, they need to know how to keep it organized. And so I'm going to give them a weekly task checklist, right? Every under five minutes for them and their whole family to help create a habit. That's my bonus. Get started, keep going. And you're right. That helps sell it. That goes into the marketing of everything. Nice. Beautiful.
0: All right, cool. (laughs) So we've figured out about what to make the course about, how to make it, and how to make bonuses that go with it as well to make it easier Mm -hmm. to sell. Beautiful. Right. If people heard your wisdom and they want to learn more from you, where can people yeah. go? What's the, uh, what resources you got people can access?
1: For sure. So at the time of this recording, I am working on getting my website updated, but it's still live, just a little broken at allisonlex.com And that's A-L-Y-S-O-N-L-E-X.com. I'm also Allison Lex on every social platform and you can head to alisonlex.com slash essential and pick up a guide that I wrote on email sequences to have in your business. I'll break down what they are, and I'll also give you some hints on what to include in each one.
0: Beautiful. All right. If you found the interview useful and you want to get future episodes, please subscribe wherever you listened. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you
2: enormously. And thank you, Alison, for coming on and sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.